Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Adiola Depot here. Thank you so much for downloading the knockout reminder that I'll be joined every single Monday live on Talksport 2 by Gareth A. Davis to dissect all the latest from the world of boxing and MMA. 2021 is set to be a huge year for boxing both in the UK and abroad and we'll have you covered every single step of the way. If you can't join us live, make sure you subscribe to the Fight Night podcast to ensure that you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, you can also check out some of the other great boxing programming, the likes of the Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and the boy from Brownsville. The Knockout with Addy Oladipo and Gareth A. Davies on TalkSport 2. Good afternoon. If you love your boxing and love your MMA as well, this is the place to be. We have a brand new show every single week called The Knockout. Myself and the great Gareth A. Davies We'll be looking forward to some of the big fights that could happen, and they should happen in 2021. Will we see Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, Canelo versus Billy Joe Saunders, Terence Crawford versus Errol Spence? We keep our fingers crossed every single week. We have a very special guest, and today we'll be joined by the current WBO unbeaten WBO female middleweight champion Savannah Marshall. We'll also discuss Zelfa Barrett and Dalton Smith have big fights, both of them this weekend. Plus, we're going to chat Eddie Hearn after Gareth A. Davis has been speaking to him. Gareth's, Gareth's got those connections. This is the knockout. This is on Talksport 2. He says he's okay. I'm not convinced. Josh Warrington's looking to put him away right here and now. And this time it's going to be all over, surely. The referee continues to take up the count. Jay Lamb is bravely looking to get up, but he shakes his head and it's all over. She needs the bell. She needs it urgently. Anna Rankin. And she goes down under the onslaught. All too much for the brave Scott. She just about gets to her feet, and it is all over. Savannah Marshall becomes the world middleweight champion. Yeah, great shows always lined up. We are going to be hearing from the WBO current middleweight champion, Savannah Marshall, um, off the back of that fantastic win against Hannah Rankin. We spoke to Hannah, didn't we, uh, last week. I'll be asking Savannah Marshall about that fight. We hope happens. For the sake of female boxing, we need to see Savannah Marshall versus Clarissa Shields. Let me welcome in 
the great voice of both boxing and MMA, does everything this man does, and's got a good black book as well. That man is Gareth A. Davis, who joins us now. Gareth, always great to speak to you, my man. You two, Eddie, uh, a very happy Monday afternoon to you. The only thing last weekend that mm. was being, that the only fights really were with snowballs, weren't they? They were. Thank God boxing returns to the UK this weekend. And it's really nice to be just a few days away from the first events for like six weeks, given the lockdown. So uh, it's an exciting week. And I think today we'll be talking about one of our, well, we had him on the show last week. Josh Warrington is one of the most under-talked about, underrated, and under-appreciated yep. boxers in the UK. And 100%. thankfully, he'll get centre stage this weekend at uh, the SSC Arena, Wembley. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. I mean, look at the, especially when you consider what he did in 2018. I mean, those wins over Lee Selby and Carl Frampton, I mean, that should have propelled him to superstardom, two whirlwind performances. Uh, it was great to speak to him um, a couple of weeks ago, and it's great that he takes the main event stage uh, this weekend against Mauricio Lara. Let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the fight card and, and just that event as a whole. You mentioned it. It's the first time uh, we have him boxing on these shores uh, in 2021. It's good for it to be back. We had a good end to the year, and I think this is a great start to it as well. It isn't the fight Josh wants. We, the world knows that. We all know that. But he still needs to get the job done against Mauricio Lara. Well, for those listening, I mean, he vacated his IBF belt. You rightly mentioned there, he had that incredible year in 2018. He's been blighted by the pandemic. He's been out a long time. He's 30 years of, of age. He's at the peak of his powers. He's 30-0 as a boxer. Every single time he's been written off, he's risen to the challenge. I was there that night in Ellen Road when um, he bamboozled Lee Selby with his incredible engine and work rate, roared on by the thousands that night. Oh, what uh, an atmosphere. What it an was atmosphere. amazing. You know, it, um, I even got to meet people like Lucas Radaby that night. It was, <laughs> yeah. it, no, but it, and, and Josh, of course. Yeah. I think he's either the president or the chairman of the Leeds Supporters Football Club, uh, the Leeds Supporters Club. Um, so he's got this massive following. Uh, as Eddie Hearn was pointing out, and I know we'll talk about what Eddie spoke with me about last Friday and a group of us in the media on a Zoom call. But he's got the most, one of the most dedicated fan bases in Britain. And, you know, he beats Lee Selby. He beats uh, Carl Frampton late in the year. Let's not put that, in, let's not forget we should put that in context, which is Lee, um, Carl Frampton the year before was, you know, the Ring Magazine Boxer of the Year with mm. some incredible performances. So you talk about there's levels in this game and he clearly... Uh, climbed to the top level. He had a good fight against Kid Galahad, retained his belt again, his IBF belt, but he's binned it now because he's going after unifications. He wants the big fights in America. You know, he's literally fought in Leeds all his life, you know, um, and it's time for him to blossom. And, you know, Mauricio Lara is still a banana skin. It's yeah. still a difficult fight because uh, uh, Lara is 21 and two in his career, 21 wins, uh, two losses, and is going to be a dangerous opponent because. Um, you know, Josh is going to be fighting in front of um, no audience. He's not. Ha he's been used to coming out with huge vocal support and pumped up. But uh, having spoken to him last week as well, he's really ready to go. The, the, he, he wasn't pouring out the expletives live on air to us. But when, when we spoke to him as a group on a Zoom, you know, out of live, if you like, wow, he is so fired up. So cannot wait to see him. He's He's, he's an all-action fighter, and, and he really does uh, need to just get through this fight. And I think they will be promising him big fights in the summer if he can get through Bronco from Mexico 
who's 22 and very ambitious, remember. Very, very ambitious. And again, this uh, sort of adds to that banana skin analogy you sort of brought up. Not only is he fighting a guy that's kind of unknown, let, let's be honest, um, he's obviously looking for those fights against the likes of Zhukan and Gary Russell Jr., maybe even going Navarrete. up... In, yeah, you get exactly, going up in weight and maybe taking another challenges there as well. But, and we have to speak about this, because he does have an engine, but he's been out of the ring for... By the time fight night comes around, I think it's something like 15 months. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly. a huge time to be out of the ring for. It is. But he's one of those guys who is incredibly dedicated, incredibly fit, lives on the weight. Um, and, he, and what I liked about him saying last Friday was that he's got to the cranky stage now. He's not really there at home. He's got twin daughters who are two years old and beautiful wife. There's a great documentary on his life, of course, um, out there that people can see. And he says... He gets cranky and all he can think about is the fight. That's the Josh Warrington that we want to see on yeah. Saturday night. Utterly and totally focused. Yeah, wind him up and let him go. And I think if we get that Josh Warrington, I think it's fantastic for him and it's fantastic to sell those big fights against fighters that we want to see him in in the back end of 2021. One very interesting fight on the card as well that, look, we're going to talk about it, but I don't think it's getting the press it deserves because this is a good fight, this one. Zelfa Barrett... Who um, look fantastic fighter twenty five and one has done so well to rebound from that loss to Ronnie Clark. He takes on a guy we've seen over here so many times, Kiko Martinez. But let's not forget. I mean, Kiko Martinez fought Gary Russell Jr. last year. He's been over here. We've seen him against Rendell Monroe and and the Jackal Carl Frampton. This is no easy test for Zelfa Barrett. Not at all. Oh, absolutely. Look, Kiko Martinez. Y you mention all those names. Um... You know, Josh Warrington, he's fought Gary Russell, Scott Quigg, Carl Frampton yeah. and Leo Santa Cruz. They're all on his uh, 52 fight resume. He's 34 now, but he's still one of those benchmarks for a lot of fighters. And Zelfa put on a fantastic performance against the unbeaten Eric Donovan in fight camp during the summer, Eddie Hearn's fight camp. He looked terrific and he's a crowd pleaser. Uh, he's the nephew of Pat Barrett's of course, who's a very, very respected uh, fighter from the north of England, now a trainer, um, Pat now in his early 50s. But, you know, he was the European champion 1990 to 1992. He went on to fight for world titles at welterweight and light middleweight. He's a terrific, knowledgeable guy. I mean, he's got DNA in the, he's got boxing DNA in the family, has brown flash, as he calls himself, Zelfa. <laughs> he's just, he's got fast twitch. Yeah. He's a very explosive fighter. He comes to please. And as you say, he's in his 26th fight on Saturday night. And, and Kiko Martinez is a really good test for him because he knows his way around the office, around the square circle. And I think, it, like you say, it, for me, it's the sleeper on the card. And if Zelfa can put in a great performance here, he goes up a level again. This game's about levels and it's about moving up those levels. So, uh, yeah, that is a terrific fight in the offing. Yeah, I'm so happy you mentioned Pat Barrett there as well. Obviously, it's a great like, great camp they've got right now. Lyndon Arthur upsetting the apple cart against Anthony Yard. Fingers crossed we get that one uh, done again early in 2021. But, yeah, I, I agree. I think Pat Barrett, one of the, one of the maybe un, unknown trainers that's finally started to come to the fore with the performances of Lyndon and Zelfa. Um, this mm. is a good fight for Zelfa as well, just because Kiko's that gatekeeper now, isn't he? He's a, a mm -hmm. very good gatekeeper fighter. If Zelfa wins, and it's, it's an if, where is he now? Are we talking sort of top European level, maybe fringe world? Where is he? No, I think they won't rush him into world title fights. You know, he's being, um, you know, he's recently signed with Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn loves him. Um, 
I remember after the, I was at that fight camp. I think he might have been on the undercard that night. I can't remember if it was on the undercard of Dillian White and... Uh, yeah, it was. was it? it was, yeah. it was. I was there. So I spoke to Eddie live rather than on the phone. And Eddie was saying afterwards when we did our kind of ad hoc press conference afterwards in the in the matchroom uh, um, offices that night after the, the, the shock nick, uh, knockout of Dillian White in the fifth round um, against Alexander Povetkin that... You know, he really was excited. You could see the excitement from Eddie Hearn. But I don't think they want to rush him. Like you mm. say, let's keep him at British, European and move him up slowly. It's a very uh, super featherweight. It's a very powerful division. And I don't think they want to waste this kid's talent. He is 27. So I expect two or three more fights like this and then up to world level maybe next year. And, and remember, at the moment, of course, they can't fight in front of crowds. So it's hard to plan those kind of those outings at the moment. Same for Josh Warrington. You know, he's probably going to have to go to America for those fights with Gary Russell and those kind of guys because we can't have crowds here at the moment. Those guys wanted, do you remember, before the pandemic hit, American boxers were coming to the UK to fight like never before. Ukrainian greats, Vasyl Lomachenko came here to fight Luke Campbell. A huge night at the O2 Arena with Bob Arum and all the crew. You know, Alexander Usyk against yeah. Tony Bellew in Liverpool. All the big names were coming here. Before that, Gennady Golovkin had come to fight Kel Brook. It was for four years, I think we'd had um, a, 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 the best boxers in the world traipsing here purely down. And I must congratulate the British fight fans because they know how to support big events. At the moment, that option's not there. You're right. I mean, to add to that list as well, Vladimir Klitschko coming over here to fight Asia. I mean, we did have some of the biggest names here. Uh, very quickly, I want to uh, quickly touch on, before we go to the break, on Dalton Smith, yeah. um, unbeaten super lightweight who fights as well on the weekend. We, we spoke about banana skins. I mean, this is a banana skin. It really is um, against Ishmael Ellis. Just because Ishmael Ellis, the last two fighters he's fighting have been unbeaten. He's got a knockout victory against Craig McIntyre, which shocked a few people, and then obviously beat Jack O'Keefe as well. I think Dalton's better than both of those, but this is a banana skin fight for Dalton. Yeah, it is. I mean, Ishmael's had 14 fights. Um, um, you know, he's not a, knock, a knockout artist, and I think the tough thing for Dalton is just to keep going like he is. He's 6-0. and He's trained by his dad up in, uh, I think it's Sheffield, they, they, they're based. He's a terrific fighter, incredible physique, for a light welterweight, 140 pounds. He's got so, or super lightweight, sorry, they now call it, don't it they? Is, yep. He's 5'10". He's, 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 he's got, you know, he's really, really beautifully built uh, for a boxer. And I, I really do think he's one of our stars of the future. He's still only 21, um, 24 rather. Um, a lot of kind of growth ahead of him, but he's got all the rudiments. Watch out for Dalton Smith. Very exciting. Yeah, expect him to put a performance on against Ishmaelis. I mean, those, that, those, this is matchmaking, right? Those are the kind of fights that make sense for him at this stage in his career. Obviously, Ishmaelis coming off two defeats as well, so that makes sense. All right, I know you spoke to Eddie Hearn, so we've got, we're going to hear from what Eddie Hearn had to say um, to you. You've got, that, you've got those connections, haven't you, Gareth? You really have. I mean, just speak to Eddie Hearn like he's on speed dial. <laughs> well, you know, listen, you can get hold of Eddie when he wants to put something out there, but when he wants to hide, you can't find him. Yeah, it is the knockout here on TalkSport 2. Remember, if you've missed any of today's show, you can always catch up with our podcast. Just search for The Fight Night wherever you download your podcast for access to all previous episodes. You'll be able to check out some of the other great boxing programming such as Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and The Boy from Brownsville, The Mike Tyson Story.
Talking about well, we, to be fair, we've been talking about it for the last couple of years. Um, Tyson Fury <laughs> versus Anthony Joshua, or should I say, Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury? I know that's going to be a talking point that comes up soon as well. What name comes for both of them are champions? Gareth, you've been speaking to uh, Matchroom President Eddie Hearn. What, what's he saying about it? I mean, are we any closer? Can we start to get excited? Well, on that very point, who goes left and who goes right on the poster? And the champion normally goes left on the poster. And mm. we know the champion always comes into the ring last. I actually asked Eddie about that uh, last Friday. And I was saying, look, if it comes down to it, they're both world champions. You could say that Anthony Joshua has more belts, so he should go on the left of the poster um, and should walk in last. But I said to him, why don't you just have the two men there do it like a draw like they do with the FA yes, Cup or the World yes. Cup and just flip a coin or pull balls out That's of a hat and just kind of, he said, oh, I don't think that would work on Zoom, but I think it would be an event. You know, um, he said, you know, they're, they're minor things, though, he thinks. I'm not so sure they will be because mm. when it comes down to it, both these boxers have the egos of wanting to be, you know, the, the king of the jungle. So it, it, I think it will be one of the talking points. But he said that they've already had an initial contract that's gone over to Bob Arum, that's come back with their comments. Uh, Bob Arum, of course, is going through the Tyson Fury side, um, and they'd sent this contact contract to America. Four Middle Eastern countries now are, are vying for, for, the, for staging uh, the fight. And I think, you know, he said, there is no doubt about it at the moment. It's a difficult conversation to have one of these fights in the UK at the moment. Yeah. He said, we can't fill up Wembley with 100,000 people, and we need that to, to kind of raise the enormous sums of money that are being promised to these two fighters to do this. He said, but I can't imagine a Zoom coin flip. I think it's better to, to paper it and discuss and come to some kind of amicable agreement. Maybe the one that goes left on the poster comes in last. Maybe they both walk in together for the first time from different sides of the arena. You could come up with all kinds of novel things. Remember, every single fight event starts with a venue and a fight signed, and then you build on top of that. It's a creative industry. So they'll come, they'll come over those final details and finalize them um, eventually. But the, 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 the main point, I think, that came out of the discussion was that the end of this month, they would like the contract signed and the venue and date in place. And I think that's probably realistic. You know, what have we got? Another 20-odd days to do it. So I say we, they've got another 20-odd days to do it. And with everybody kind of not that busy at the moment, they really ought to get it done. Yeah, one other way uh, to raise revenue for the fight, I guess, would be to increase the pay-per-view costs, something I'm definitely not saying they should do. But we did hear rumours last week about a potential pay-per-view increase of up to £40. Remember, that it's in this country, it's around 20 or 25 if you're watching AJ. Was that discussed? Is that a possibility? Are they thinking about doing anything like that? 
Yeah, I think there are talks about making it a little bit more money. Remember, some of the events in America have been a hundred dollars. Yeah, Pacquiao yeah. and Mayweather. I think Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. They were really high. I think they were eighty odd bucks for those events. I mean, you know, when you mentioned that about the the fee going up uh, for the pay per view, I could hear the listeners screaming at <laughs> home and throwing plates at mirrors. But you know, that's the realistic situation we're in. Um. They want to raise this enormous sum of money. It is, this is the big money fight. It'll be the richest fight in British boxing history, bar none, by, by a very long way. And, oh, massive you know, stretch, yeah. Yes, Number two is in the stretch. distance. You know, so, it, so if people are going to have to pay an extra five quid for the fight, then so be it. I mean, I paid for Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier the other day, reluctantly, whatever that was, 1995 on BT Sport, I think it was. But you just press the button and you go, well... You know, I don't want to be involved in the piracy of an event. I don't want to be involved in illegally streaming it. It's wrong. It, you can't go down that route. So, uh, you know, I think the punters may have to put a little bit more money in their pockets. But I think if the fight gets signed and people get excited enough about it and the two men begin to talk, I just think people will be really interested. I suspect that this will probably go over 2 million for the first time in the UK in terms of pay-per-view numbers. See, I've said this, Gareth, and people said, Adam, you're mad. I said, no, I'm not mad. I said, these two would easily do that 2 million mark just because you are talking about two polarising, completely opposite people. I think they actually have two different fan bases. Apart from the casuals, Correct. I think they've got two different fan bases as well. So I do think it will be a huge fight. One fight that I thought was going to be massive about two years ago was Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder. Obviously, Deontay Wilder subsequently lost... I think, back-to-back -back fights, really, against Tyson Fury. Um, he's had this massive falling out with his trainer, Mark Breland, to the point mm. where he's accused him of spiking drinks, being involved with the Tyson Fury camp, etc., etc. Um, I hate all that kind of nasty stuff, but one thing Mark Breland did say was that Deontay Wilder's done. He says he, he's not that guy anymore. What, what did you take from that? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, Mark Breland was the guy that threw in the towel, of course, in the seventh round mm. and uh, became the fall guy, the scapegoat, if you like for Deontay Wilder's comments back on February the 23rd in Las Vegas last year uh, when, when Tyson Fury stopped him in that seventh round. I mean, look, Breland is one of the nicest men you'll ever meet. He's the tallest welterweight world champion ever. I think he's six foot three. Um, and this is a guy that knows his onions. 1984 Los Angeles welterweight gold medalist uh, at the Olympic Games, world championship gold in 82 i think it was in munich mm -hmm. uh, at the uh, amateur world championships a real died in the wool um 40 years 50 years in the boxing business guy you know from brooklyn new york and he, he really knows his onions and i and look some of the things that deontay wilder came out with don't don't tell that story again today please about him going nose to nose with me no and, no no me not, i didn't take my glasses off that day he couldn't me no that was the day that i saw the bronze bomber from about three inches away and i'm constantly reminded of it and i uh, no, but we reenacted it you know just outside talk sports hours uh last year or yeah it was last year i think it was myself and david alorca were doing a little thing for one of the betting agents and we reenacted the whole thing and when Deontay Wilder saw himself doing that he went God that I don't recognize he, he myself. did turn into another character that day it no was, he does he turns into yeah. the bronze bomber scary. But, the, but the thing is I think his emotion 
got the best of him in all those comments afterwards about looking for a reason why he lost and why mm. he didn't perform well on the night. Remember, you know, the excuses that the suit he was wearing, that big oh, God, kind of awful, um, frightening it? suit was... It was a great suit, though. I loved it. It was. It yeah. was amazing. No, it was the whole, you know, Tyson Fury in on his oh, throne. Oh, it was fantastic. Um, to crazy, to Patsy Cline's crazy, remember? Yeah. And you're sitting there thinking, oh, my God, this could backfire horribly. Of course it didn't. And then Deontay in in this kind of frightening suit of like a almost like something from outer space um and, and you know him complaining after that it weighed too much but also he weighed too much he'd come in heavier than he ever has before tyson fury got into his head i don't know if he's finished uh, as such but you know I, I thought what was actually even more interesting and i know you would have got to this is that um on the um fight is right podcast mm. um he said um, he had some comments to make about Anthony Joshua as well. Um, this is Mark Breland, yeah. not, not Deontay Wilder. And he's saying, to be honest, I could beat Anthony Joshua. Here's a guy who doesn't have a jab at all. When he fought Andy Ruiz in the second fight, people talked about his jab. But that wasn't his jab. And then he kind of elucidated it was videos. He was just tap, tap, tapping with his jab. He said, I would out jab him. I don't think he'll be able to touch me. I'd put him to sleep. This is a 57-year-old former Deontay Wilder Second it's crazy comments, this, so. though. It's crazy comments. Yeah. I actually thought AJ's performance against Pulev, I think he almost showed the whole arsenal. I think we actually did see a jab. And look, he could be right. I think AJ needs to work on some things, right? I mean, everyone says his jab needs to be a bit more like Lennox Lewis or, or Vladimir Klitschko, you know, or I dare say, if he could get anywhere near Larry Holmes, it would be fantastic. But he needs to work on things. And I think his jab is one of those things he does need to improve on. Yeah, definitely. Of course he does. He, look, he's improving all the time. Ever since he won a world title in, in his 17th fight against Charles Martin and he claimed the IBF title, he, he has been a work in progress. And that work is progressing. He's got a brilliant team. For, for, for those listening who've never been up to Sheffield where he trains, he's got an extraordinarily... He's probably the most sports scientific boxer in the world. Yeah, He's got... Everyone there analysing his every move. He's got sports psychologists. They get the lighting right when he's in a camp, you know, that he doesn't have too much light when he's resting in the afternoon. He's got all sorts of things. He's got the oxygen chambers. He's got the altitude ring there where they've got, it's inside a box where he can uh, spar at altitude even. They get the best sparring partners in the world there. He's got the whole GB amateur team there to spar with Fraser Clark and all these guys. And I wish Fraser Clark good luck um, this summer. I'll be there at the Tokyo Olympics if we're allowed to go. And I, I think Fraser Clark is another one of those guys coming through on that conveyor belt of, of great British boxers. We saw it with Joe Joyce um, five years ago in Rio. These guys, Anthony Joshua, Fraser Clark, Joe Joyce, they're all the same generation and of, of super heavyweights. And it's an incredible setup. I mean, Fraser Clark was telling me um, that... that before the Kubrat Pulev fight, he's never seen Anthony Joshua as focused and, and as improved from fight to fight. And obviously he was out for a year, but he never stops learning. He soaks up information like a sponge. And as you just said, Tyson Fury is the kind of insider's favourite in boxing. But mm -hmm. Anthony Joshua is a mainstream star. You know, um, Tyson Fury is more of a star in the United States where he's licensed at the moment, where he's had his last several fights but you know like you say they bring so much to the table you cannot write anthony joshua off against tyson fury because he's such a brilliant finisher when 
when Joshua gets someone hurt, he knows how to finish. For me, he's as good a finisher as Lennox Lewis and others have ever been. But for, as far as Deontay Wilder goes, the only fight he used his jab well in was against Bermain Stiverne three or four years ago. But he will come back in my view. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Is the knockout here on Talksport 2 with myself, Adi Oladipo, and the great Gareth A. Davis. Remember, if you've missed any of today's show, you can always catch up with our podcast. Just search for Fight Night wherever you download your podcast for access to all previous episodes. You'll also be able to check out some of the great boxing programs such as Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and The Boy from Brownsville, the Mike Tyson story. And that is an absolutely fantastic one. So make sure you check out the other stuff we've got as well. She needs the bell. She needs it urgently, Hannah Rankin. And she goes down under the onslaught. All too much for the brave Scott. She just about gets to her feet. And it is all over. Savannah Marshall becomes the world middleweight champion. See, look, I, I said we get special guests every single week, and we have had special guests every single week, and I love the fact that we're keeping that going. We've got a special guest now, and that is Savannah Marshall, the current WBO middleweight champion of the world, is on the line with us. Savannah, um, as always, look, thank you for coming on uh, our show here. Thank you for coming on TalkSport 2. Um, middleweight champion of the world. Th th like, does that sink in? Has it sunk in? You know, like people say, oh, my life has changed. I I to be fair, I've been watching you on social media. I've been stalking you a bit on Instagram. It doesn't look like much has changed. You're, you're in the grind still. You're grinding it out still, aren't you? Hey, you're here. Thanks for, the thanks for having me on. But um, <laughs> no, nothing. But honestly, before the fight, that's all anyone ever said. Oh, wait, you're well, champion. Your, your, your life just changes, and it has. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting for it to change. Um, it's great to speak to you, Sav. Thanks very much for coming on the show. But, it, you know, having known you a long time, it was a very special night, though, when you beat Hannah Ranking and put your arms in the air to claim the world title. It was a very special moment, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. The, the, 
like you said, we've known each other for years, Gareth, and there's just <laughs> there's been plenty of ups and downs, more downs than ups. But um, I was it got obviously I had a bumpy couple of weeks before with Peter testing positive for COVID, and then obviously fights falling through before that. So I, to be honest, there was there was there was points where I thought, you know, this this fight just isn't going to happen. So for the fact it did, and I become a world champion, it was. It's just unbelievable. So, you know, like right now, I think we are on a crest of a wave with female boxing. Uh, there, there is so many fights happening. Females are headlining cards as well. But do you ever get scared? Because like everyone always says Savannah Marshall versus Clarissa Shields. That's what everyone keeps talking about. Do you ever get scared in terms of a lack of quality opponents for you to almost continue that growth that you're on? Not really. Um, the way I look at it, I think I have, I have really good sparring. I have... I have right. I have. How can I put it? I have right sparring. You know, I have. I, I have tough spars. I have learning spars. I have technical spars. I have, you know, spars where I'm just sharpening up. So it's not like I'm getting pounded every every session, and it's not like I'm having it easy every session. So I think that that overrides the whole, you know, there not being that many females at that top level out there. You just need to tell him, Sav, that you can only beat who they put in front of you. And then Addy just goes quiet, yeah? No, no, no. That's all you, you know, need to, I'm that's happy she didn't do, do that. I'm happy she's, she's good. I'm happy she didn't give me that, that, that boring answer. Good answer, Sav. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, I can see where you're coming from because there isn't that many females out there anyway, and especially at the higher weights. I mean, it's it's there, there was this... this this time last year, I was going to fight at light heavyweight for a world title just because the opportunity was there. And obviously, I won the world title at middle. I'd like to think I could make super well, but Peter tells me I can't. But that that's the whole reason for going up and down the weights, just to give me more options, really. Because if, I've, if I just stayed at super middle, I mean, I think at super middle, I think there's 30 females in the world, I think. And maybe... Four or five of them are at that elite level. Mm. No, no, definitely, Addy. Sav has always been ahead of the curve. We knew that when she was a, a teenager at the uh, the London Olympic Games in 2012. That they're probably the the, the, the the saddest I've ever seen her at those games. Um, I, I wouldn't say tearful because she's not the type. She's very stoic. But um, Clarissa Shields, your biggest rival, Sav, has done 154 pounds for those listening. 154 pounds is light middleweight, 160 pounds is middleweight, and 168 pounds, 12 stone, is super middleweight. Have you ever tried to get down to 154? Because Clarissa has done the same, hasn't she, and managed world titles in those three divisions. Could you, I mean, you're, what, you're 5'11", you know, and you're very powerfully built. So is, have you ever tried to get down near 154? Well, to be honest, I made 160 quite easy. I made middle mm. quite easy. And I did have a conversation with Peter where I was, oh, Peter, I think I could make 154. And he said, well, you probably could, but I'd say your power wouldn't be there because there was one camp that I was quite light and he'd said, oh, you're not as punching as hard as you were, you know, that a couple of pounds heavier. So I think this is, you know, this is the relationship me and Peter have where, He'd quite easily say, well, you probably could make that weight, but you wouldn't be half as strong. And that that's good enough for me to say, nah, it's not for me. 
it's concerning hearing this because you're talking about 154. You've got Clarissa talking about she can make 147. I'm like, wait, <laughs> can, can these ba ladies just both stay at 160, please, so we can get this fight going on? Uh, you got a fight coming up in April, 10th of April. Um, do we know too much about the opponent? Have they put a, a list of names in front of you yet? So the, there's there's two or three names kicking about. I'm just and I've, I've I've agreed on my side to all three of them. So I'm just waiting for them to come <laughs> back to me. Really, <laughs> they're taking but, the time. You're supposed but, um, to say, Sav, I'll fight all three on the same night. <laughs> <laughs> well, well and, and, just as long as I'm fighting, I, I, I would. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 just I'm just waiting for them to uh, to come back to me. Really. One of the things you mentioned there, Peter, that who you mentioned, is obviously Peter Fury, for those listening who don't know who you're talking about. Peter Fury is the uncle of Tyson Fury, who trained him, of course, to the victory over, to, over Vladimir Klitschko in Dusseldorf in November, uh, late November 2015. Um, in your performance against Hannah Ranking, it was a beautifully poised uh, performance of finesse and movement. I wonder, um, is this something you've worked on with Peter um, to, to become a different style of boxer almost. And just tell us how good it is being around Peter and what he's obviously achieved in the sport. The family's steeped in boxing. They're from 10 generations of bare knuckle fighters. So what does Peter mean to you? What has he brought to you? And is he developing this style that we saw you fight in against Hannah? Oh, 100, 110%. Um... I believe I am the fighter I am today, down to Peter. I've been with Peter now about three and a half years. And like you said, you've seen me in, in, in London and Rio, your typical amateur boxer, forward and backwards in straight lines, hands up around your temples, not mm. much lateral movement. And Peter's totally re reshaped me, remoulded me. Um, and he, he says, he goes back to the time when I first walked in the gym and he went, right, well, look, he said she, he looked at me five foot five sorry five foot eleven, big long arms. He was like, "Well, well, this will work for you. Um, I want to get this start. I want you to be dropping your arms and you using all your your reflexes reflexes and things like that." And there was one time I remember him saying, "Yeah, hey, oh, we were on the pads," and he said, "Oh, switch southpaw." And I'd said, "No, Peter, I can't go southpaw." He was like, "Go <laughs> southpaw." <laughs> and it was honestly I remember hitting the pads and in the head I was thinking I'm just going to get knocked out if I do this and for honestly hours hundreds of hours he just had me in the mirror practicing you know southpaw footwork southpaw mm. combinations and like I said I've been with him three and a half years and it's just starting to come off now so it's plenty plenty of hard work but Peter me with Peter my confidence is just not just in boxing but in life Absolutely. I just feel like I'm just a total different woman. <laughs> you are. No. You are. You, it was hard to get a word out of you five, six, ten years ago. I mean, your <laughs> interviews. I got. I'm going to come. I'm going to come clean today, Addy, with Sav. Right. Savannah Marshall was the hardest person in the world in any sport to interview. Ten really? Years ago. Now, now look at her. <laughs> now well, look at Sav, her. Sav never said a word. You asked twenty questions. She didn't say anything. Now she doesn't stop no, talking, no, which is great. Yes or no? Yes or no answers. 
Not anymore. Not anymore, Sav. You're a changed person. Um, I think uh, um, Gareth made a fantastic point. I, I, watching that Hannah Rankin performance, we could see a completely different style from you. And it's, it's funny because I was looking at Huey Fury's performance recently against Marius Vac, and I thought that was the best Huey Fury performance as well. So obviously it's the camp that is, that's bubbling right now. I want to get back to the Clarissa Shields thing because I know a lot of our listeners, uh, that's the fight we want to talk about, you versus Clarissa. She's got a fight coming up at the start of March. Has there been any conversation at all from your promoters to her promoters, Demetrius Salita, Eddie Hearn, has there been anything gone either way about this fight happening? Well, I said after, as soon as I, as soon as I won that belt and in me after fight interview, I was asked about Clarissa Shields and I'd said there and then she, she doesn't want to know. She doesn't want any part of me. Mm. And then within the next couple of days, she'd switch to MMA. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, she's coming down to, what's she coming down to? One four One four seven. I told you she just doesn't want to know. She, she's a, a Normally, I would disagree with you, Sav, but you're right. She's gone to MMA. She's gone down in weight. She's talking about going to a lower weight, which you, you look, you can't make 147, Sav. I mean, that, you're no, killing no, yourself no. to make 147. So, so maybe she doesn't want to know. Well, the only, well, like I say, the proof's in the pudding. She's, she's going everywhere. Like I said, MMA, 147. It's like she's going everywhere apart from my direction, 160. But, I have been told that I do, but I I have been told that that fight will happen this year, and I do generally believe it will. Ooh. Just because of I do believe that fight will happen this year, but just because of the magnitude of it, and also I think there's a lot of money involved in that fight on on both 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 sides. Just a sides. couple of quid, eh? Just a couple of quid. Also, ego. Mm. I don't think her ego could let it go. Mm. It's got to happen in America at the moment, though. If that happens. Sav, I think, because you need a crowd for that. I mean, if we can't get crowds oh, yeah. back here, are you prepared to go for America? Well, I'd, t- I'd be, pe- uh, be prepared to wait for crowds for the UK, but unfortunately, Peter can't get into um, the US um, due to other reasons. So, to be honest, I wouldn't take that fight without Peter. So it, it would it would have to happen in the UK, and I've I've seen before she said that she'd love to fight over you. So I think it would happen in the UK. Wherever it happens, Sav, look, we wish you good luck. Fingers crossed it does happen. And even if it does happen, uh, wherever it happens in a while, but I, I'm I'm with you. I'd love to see that fight in the UK, a yeah. sold out arena, the crowd singing as the crowd. Look, no crowd sings better than a UK crowd personally. So I'd love it to happen. Savannah Marshall, current WBO female world champion. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Knockout. You're listening to the Knockout here on Talksport Two. We're here every single Monday afternoon to discuss all the latest news from the world of boxing and mixed martial arts, which we're going to talk about next. If you've missed any of the show, you'd like to listen again. Remember, you can check out our podcast over at TalkSport.com under the Fight Night banner. The Knockout with Adi Oladipo and Gareth A. Davies on TalkSport 2. It is the knockout here on TalkSport 2 with myself, Adi Oladipo, and the great Gareth A. Davis. Remember, if you've missed any of today's show, you can always catch up with our podcast. Just search Fight Night wherever you download your podcast for access to all previous episodes. You'll also be able to check out some of the other great boxing programming that we've got, such as Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and The Boy from Brownsville, The Mike Tyson Story.
right, we are going to chat all things UFC 258. We're going to look back at the weekend's UFC action as well. Defeats for the legends, Frankie Edgar and Alistair Overeem. Before we do that, though, I just want to uh, get a word from Gareth. Obviously, we, we got the sad news uh, a couple of days ago about the death of Leon Spinks, uh, 1976, sorry, 1976 uh, Olympic gold medalist at the Montreal Olympics. Uh, shocked the world when he beat Muhammad Ali in only his eighth fight um, to claim heavyweight glory. Um, it's always sad when you hear about things like this, um, Gareth. Um, I was watching a documentary about him and his brother Michael Spinks and obviously mm. them both winning Olympic golds at the same Olympics, which is, you, you think of that now, that's, that's crazy to even think of. And sadly, he has left us, he has passed away after a long battle with, with, with prostate cancer. Yeah, and also before the Klitschko's, the first two brothers to win um, world's heavyweight titles in professional boxing as mm. well. Of course, Michael Spinks, who was the much more sensible brother of the two, um, <laughs> yeah. d- d- uh, what defended the, I think it was the IBF, um, it might be in the IBF. It's one of the the alphabet belts anyway, uh, three times before being knocked out by Mike Tyson in 1988. And that 1970, it is very sad that he's passed. But Neon Leon, Leon as he was known, with his famous gap-tooth grin, yeah. was one of the nicest guys around. And even just in recent years, Addy, when I've been covering big fights in Las Vegas, you'd often see him um, right in the, in the vestibule, the, the, the hallway of the, the reception of the MGM Grand, where he'd be signing autographs to people and fans still loved him. You know, he, he, he kind of, he had a wild life. He'd had a wild life before he went into the Marine Corps for three years and represented the United States. Uh, St. Louis guy, of course. And, you know, he a very, very tough upbringing, fighting on the streets, you know, fighting for survival, living in a car he revealed when he was younger as a teenager. But, you know, that eighth fight to beat a sluggish Muhammad Ali who'd only I think they said he'd only sparred 24 rounds going into that fight. He yep. weighed 224 pounds for the fight, 27 pounds heavier than Leon Spinks, who was 197 pounds. It was a big, big shock in the boxing world. A bit like Andy Ruiz um, uh, knocking out uh, Anthony Joshua, mm. you know, uh, a couple of years ago. And I think, you know, the, the the rematch was massive seven months later. Record indoor crowd, 70,000 in New Orleans where he earned his money then, but he would just give out money to people and he, he moved to Las Vegas and, you know, he was he went to Nebraska at one point when he was down on his luck and was a janitor at a YMCA, but, you know, he was one of the nice guys and he will always be remembered for that shock defeat of Muhammad Ali in 78. As he'd said, the latest just beat the greatest. Fantastic. That's, see, and that's why I asked Gareth to speak and give the tribute, just because the how Gareth puts it so eloquently. Uh, Gareth, uh, a couple of minutes left. Let's quickly talk about uh, let's talk about Fight Night rather than UFC 258. Let's look back at Fight Night: Overeem versus Volkov. Um, Alistair Overeem getting stopped in that fight in the second round. Frankie Edgar getting stopped by um, Corey Sanhagen. If you've not seen anyone listening in, if you've not seen the flying knee that knocked out Frankie Edgar, I, I applaud you to go and watch it. Honestly, it's it's, it's stunning. Um, is that the end of both, do you think? Alistair's suffered some horrific defeats with recent. He always wins one. That's the problem with Alistair. Always wins one, then loses one. So you think there's something left. Is that the end, though, for both, do you think? Well, well, Alistair Overeem's 40. Frankie Edgar's 39. There is a history of, you know, ageing, loved fighters being knocked out uh, by kind of up-and-coming young studs, as they call them, in... in in MMA. Mm. Um, look, it's 10 years, as you say, that flying knee in 28 seconds against Frankie Edgar from Sanhagen is frightening to frightening. watch. But it's 10 years, Eddie, since I was watching live and covering it live when 
he had the great Gray Maynard fights, the draw um, and the win when he was UFC lightweight champion. This is Frankie Edgar. Um, when he beat BJ Penn twice. Wow, uh, beat that him was the one, twice. wasn't it? Yeah, one, yeah, that's that's 2010. That's 11 years ago. So you know, um, he's gone on since then, and he's tried to win at featherweight. He lost to Jose Aldo, of course, in uh, in in 2013. Then again in 2016, and then you know the McGregor era started. I hope this is close to the end. I didn't like the matchup when I saw it, even though people get excited because everyone thinks they've all got one more great fight left in them. Mm. But MMA is very unforgiving and father time waits for no one. Yeah, we hope it is the end for Alistair Overeem and I think Frankie Edgar. And it is the end of the show as well. Where has the hour gone to? Gareth A. Davis, as always, thank you so much for spending some of your lovely time with us. Thank you so much to our guest as well, Savannah Marshall. Always great to have you on, Gareth A. Davis. All right, this was the knockout here on TalkSport 2. We're here every single Monday afternoon to discuss all the latest from the world of boxing and mixed martial arts. Remember, if you've missed any of the show or would like to listen again, then you can check out our podcast over at TalkSport.com under the Fight Night banner. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.